welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. Welcome back to Fracture Line, everybody. We're very excited to have on Tarek Kerbeck today. Tarek, welcome to Fracture Line. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we start with the show, why don't you give the listeners a little bit about your background, who you are, where you are, and where you're practicing right now. Tell us about yourself. Uh, my name is Tari Kerbeck. I'm a trauma surgeon in Providence, Rhode Island, um, an associate professor of surgery at uh, Brown University. I do the full spectrum of uh, trauma, acute care surgery, surgical critical care. And in the last few years, I became very interested in uh, rib fractures, chest wall injury, um, specifically uh, academically doing research on uh, this topic. Being very happy to be part of uh, Chest Wall Injury Society and learn from uh, the people in the society. What brought you to Providence? Are you originally from that area? No, it's a, it's a long story. I'm, uh, I'm originally from, well, Syrian Lebanese. I'm from the Middle East. Uh, moved to the States for uh, residency. I did it in D.C., did research uh, in Boston, back to D.C., then fellowship in Philadelphia. And I think I just uh, um, am a Northeast guy and yeah. uh, found a fun job in uh, in Providence. We, we go farther than that for lunch. I mean, you could throw a blanket over those institutions. <laughs> I love the ocean. I don't like natural disasters, and uh, I like my <laughs> So I'm sticking sticking to the Northeast. Well, Dr. Kerbeck, what brought you involved into CWIS? What brought you into this family of ours? So um, actually, as a resident, I, I was interested in thoracic surgery um, and in trauma, and I just wanted to do the, the whole spectrum of trauma surgeries. Then when I started my job, one of the things that I realized as a practicing surgeon, even though we all go into trauma for the penetrating trauma or the high um, uh, energy me- mechanisms. Rib fractures are probably the most common injury we see. And and so in, in our town, in our center, we are the only center in the state of Rhode Island, and we see about a thousand rib fractures a year. That's one third of our admissions uh, to the hospital. So so that is a, um, a population that even though it's prevalent, you know, we see a lot of them, often is uh, down on the list when when people talk about why they're interested in trauma. Um, but then if you if you spend some time with patients with rib fractures, even those with a couple of ribs, uh, broken ribs, uh, they they actually struggle and uh, with pain, disability down the road. And 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 I and I kind of, you know, started asking a lot of questions about um, how we uh, can work on improving the recovery of these patients. A few five, six years ago, we started doing rib fixation at our center and um and then I started getting involved more in, in, in that. And mentors from back from Penn um, suggested I, I look into the Chest Wall Injury Society. And, and it was pr- pretty much the perfect place to uh, get going with my clinical and academic research. Well, It's a story uh, as old as time. Actually, it's a story that's only about six years old, but it seems like it's old. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we really wanted to talk about mentoring. We've, we've had uh, this recurrent theme on the podcast for uh, well last several months, that, that mentors are such a big deal. You know, in terms of mentoring medical students and residents, and especially mentoring people in uh, the care of patients with chest wall injury. So tell us about your story in mentoring and what what that means to you. Um, I I think being a mentor initially comes from being a mentee during training and then er, even early in practice. And uh, and sometimes it's 
having both the good mentors and the bad mentors that will make you the mentor you are right now. I, I was uh, lucky to have uh, good mentors in residency and trauma surgery, Jack Sava and, and Washington Hospital Center in DC, uh, Pat Riley and Niels Martin at Penn. And um, that primed me to have my interest in or academic interest. Um, eventually, when I came to Brown, um, a few medical students and residents reached out to me. I started getting more um, involved in research and, and a little bit busier as the years passed. And, and I, a couple of medical students came up to me and wanted to do uh, some work. And I had had a few projects related to roof fractures. And, and, and we worked together and they, they were pretty bright and, in, and you know, in, interested in the topic as well. So we started building on that. And and that grew to a deeper relationship. Um, throughout this time, you know, like I said, I learned from my mentors how to be a mentor, but also I learned from my mentees how to be a better mentor year after year. I like your point about, you know, learning from good mentors and bad mentors. I think sometimes you almost learn as much or more from from bad mentors, right? Because you can kind of be able to say, I, I absolutely don't want to be that person. And, and if anything, it it gives you that polar opposite, you know, of, okay, I will never do this thing, you know, and it, it's amazing how some people really do shape you in ways that, that unexpectedly, but that really give you that, you know, North Star in, in the opposite way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, I believe that the mentorship relationship should um, should be a natural relationship, should come natural, should not be forced. Um, and if you find that you started a relationship with someone and the interest or the values are not aligned, it is okay to walk away and learn from this short relationship how to be a better mentor in the future. Yeah, I can think of a couple people in my leadership career where I thought, okay, this person that I don't respect did this, this, and this. I for sure never want to do this, this, and this as I you know, model these behaviors. And, and it's amazing how I feel more successful because of those people, you know, as I don't do what they did. Yeah. And it, it's unfortunate, you know, I, I feel bad for people that subsequently had to learn those lessons, but, but I'm almost grateful for what I learned because I don't have to remake those mistakes for, for other people that follow behind me. And also they, the bad mentors make you value the good mentors and you want to hold on them and learn as much as you can from them because then you, you know that you, a gem that you, sh you should take as much as you can from them. Absolutely. You recognize the sweet from the sour. You know, it, it really, I think that's a very important point. It, it makes it that much better when, when you have such a, a valuable person. That That's a really good point. One of the traps a lot of mentors fall into is uh, they try to make their mentees another copy of themselves. And, um, and, and in that, they limit their ambitions and um, achievements and it's and it's it's important as a men, as a mentor to make sure that your goal is to make your mentee better than you i often tell um, the residents or the students i'm working with is that mentorship to me it, it it falls into we know when we say if i knew then what i know now i would have done something different i would have been a better surgeon i would have been a better uh, researcher well, we know that I can go back and, and change things in the past, but now I know things and I need to pass them on to somebody so they don't repeat the mistakes that I've made or go through the hurdles that I had to go through. And they have a very strong start and way ahead of me. And I anticipate that they are going to be better than me. I actually, my last um, strong mentee who just finished medical school and, and 
master in residency, I often uh, uh, used to tell him that um, I can't wait till the time you call me to offer me a job. I, I'm, I'm waiting for him to be a boss because I know that he will do great things. <laughs> and that actually will be a success for me. I don't want to be his boss all the time. He At one point, he has to be a boss <laughs> because that's a generation that lives in the future. We are going, we have limited time in what we're doing. They His time just started. And I anticipate in 30 years from now, he's going to be, you know, hopefully a big shot and, and doing things way better than me and um, 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 or something that I've never heard of and he's going to be you know practicing it or doing it or developing it and and I would be honored if I later on learn from from him or from all the other mentors that I that I um, help guide now that's a terrific very well said uh, outlook on this the, there's an irony involved here and that's we want our mentees or our mentorees I looked this up you can mm-hmm. use either term I'm kind of an amateur uh, entomologist these guys think I'm a word <laughs> snob but you can you can use either term, mentory or mentor. Oh, no, you are. Like we don't just think you are. You are. But you know, we we want Definitely. we want to teach them things that we know, so they stay out of trouble and they don't make the same mistakes. But we got to be where we are by making mistakes. Students have to make learners have to make mistakes and have to struggle for learning to be durable and permanent and valuable. So there's therein lies really one of the struggles. How much do we spoon feed them? How much do we? protect them it's the same with raising kids but i right. think i think what you what what we really do them a service is when and i think you mentioned this or you're struggling this, you're you're teaching them to enjoy the struggle to embrace the challenge to be curious so when they when when the next thing comes along it's not going to be putting titanium on ribs we we've we already jumped over that hurdle it's going to be something else they're ready and prepared to be thought leaders and to, to you know, promote those sorts of things. So we're preparing them for to be to be future leaders. I think that's really the challenge and, and really yeah. the gratification. You're absolutely right. Um, I, I don't think that we are able to prevent our mentees or anybody from making mistakes. It's just that we can prime them to not repeat the mistakes they made. They can make their own mistakes because I... I work on trying to figure out what their interests are and um, how to unleash their potentials. And and once they do that, they sometimes are blinded of what they can do or what they want to do. And once they realize what they want to do and, and, and what's the path uh, forward to get to where they want to get, they are going to make their own mistakes. Um, and I agree with you. And I don't want in my mentorship relationship with my mentees to or mentorees to ever feel, oh, I wish I had told them this. So I give them everything. But I know that at one point they are going to make a mistake or face a hurdle. And my job is to prime them to be able to overcome that hurdle. Well said. Dr. White, to your point about in my life prior to CWIS, I used to teach a, a leadership and mentoring class. One of the adages that we used to talk about was the fact that caterpillars, you know, they're in their cocoons and they have to break their own shell right? And part of that process is to strengthen their wings so they can fly, right? And that if if something or some other force breaks their shell for them, they don't have strong enough wings to then fly. And they eventually die because they can't, you know, move on to that next phase, right? And and so your point that they need the struggle, right? To, to learn to take that next step. And and so as a leader, you're really not doing them a service if they don't struggle is necessary and the struggle is good. You know, and, and I think that that was really our, our point as a, a leader and as a mentor to teach them to go through the struggle and, and appreciate the struggle, even when it's hard and, and you don't want to do it. And, and I think that and so the, the butterfly analogy was one that we really leaned into and talked about a yeah, lot. And, and I appreciate it. 
with the added with the added complexity that uh, we don't we can't allow our patients to suffer because of someone's you know absolutely or learning, within reason learning. yes yes yeah, certainly it's, within it's, reason it's it's not easy to be yes. be a mentor in fact it's very challenging right. that's deciding that's where where that safety net should be you know where you can safely allow them to struggle and not be either you know you don't want to sacrifice patient care or you don't want to sacrifice you know, when they get to a point that's beyond frustration or things like that, you know, giving them just enough to to feel frustrated, but not, you know, not beyond a, a point of um, inescapable, then then I think that's a that's a super difficult thing as you're learning your own boundaries, you know, and and still being able to test yourself. I think it's a big pillar that CWIS still embraces is mentoring you know, through Slack and others, the giants in CWIS, every week, Tom included, the senior level surgeons, they are mentoring, you know, residents and medical students, but they're also mentoring all of us surgeons every week through discussions and through cases. And, you know, that's their, their fifth job or their sixth job. You know, they still embrace it. And, and CWIS really does a great job at embracing that, that importance of mentorship because it's a young science. So I, I think it's a really big pillar that we still stand on. You brought two, um, I think two or three members of your team with you um, to the summit and they just knocked it out of the park. I, I was super impressed with your team. And I know Dr. Martin just left to MGH, right? Remind me the, the dynamics of where everybody is. So um, I brought to um, uh, Tom Martin who went to Harvard in Brigham, not MGH. And- um, Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's a great guy. And Anastasia who is applying now for general surgery. So she's finishing oh, yes. um, her uh, fourth year this year. I feel that maybe I'm lucky that my men mentees have been really uh, great to, to start with. But uh, um, but I, I feel that when, when, when I'm mentoring students um, around their third year or fourth year, they, they should go out and um, to, to meetings. Um, I, I, you know, um, I'm, I'm very happy to give up a podium for my students. I think, as I said before, um, mentorship, if I, when I said I summarize it, if I know, if I knew then what I know now, I also can say if I knew then who I know now, what I would do. Like, so, so my, my students and residents, um, you know, I remember going, for me, I remember when I was a, a resident on training, I remember going to meetings and maybe not knowing anybody and feeling the social anxiety of talking to people. So if I now know people and I know that my residents or students will benefit from talking to them and will that will open doors to them, whether academically or, or um, opportunities in, in uh, clinically, you know, career-wise, um, this is my job. It's, 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 so this is the sponsorship part of mentorship. But yeah, I, I, my, my, the, the, the last year I worked very closely with uh, Tom and Anastasia and I, and I was very happy with their work and their maturity and uh, their clear vision of what they want in the future. And, um, you know, I, through them, actually, I, I met other students who uh, join our team and hopefully you'll see more of them in the next few summits. That's fantastic. Can't well, wait. we'll look forward to uh, checking it out in, in Charlotte. They did a great job. We'll let's, do some uh, updates. Some so updates. a few quick things. We had Journal Club this last week, and if you missed it, you missed out. Um, Dr. Carrie Valdez presented the article that was published from our very first CWIS KLS Martin um, project. 
Um, it was archived and um, will be posted. So um, let me know if you can't find it on the site and or if you would like me to send it to you because it was outstanding. Um, and talks about how they tested, they had a protocol already written and then actually um, studied the effectiveness of their protocol. So it, it was a really good one. And that article was released uh, or was published in, I think it was April, but it, I may have that wrong. It may have been June, anyway, of this year. So um, it's, it's brand new and would be happy to share it with you. Also, we have case review coming up on July 27th. Um, so watch the newsletter for that. And then there are a whole bunch of things going on in, in August. Um, if you are a collaborative center and um, you have been invited, but just as a reminder for collaborative centers, we do have um, our quarterly call for collaborative centers on July 26th at um, 1500. If you are not yet a collaborative center, um, check it out on the CWIS website um, or hit me up and I'll send you an application. We'd be happy to um, have you apply and check it out. Um, and there's a new survey coming out, actually, hopefully today, if not um, tomorrow, about a survey for a new bone stimulator uh, multicenter trial that we're considering. This is being led by Dr. Adam Kay and Dr. Zach Bauman, um, and they are interested in um, studying the use of bone stimulators. And we want to kind of take the temperature of the membership and see who's interested and if this is a thing. If so, we've written kind of a tentative protocol and want to check and see who's interested and, and if this has any traction. So um, when you get it, please respond and let us know what you think. I have two final stitches. Yeah, First one is for uh, our, our good friend and mentor, Tim Pullman. Tim's had a tough couple of weeks, hasn't he, Sarah? He had surgery, was elective, but he suffered some complications and was in the ICU. And you can imagine Tim as a patient. He, he was He's not passive. And uh, I'm sure he, <laughs> he made things exciting for everyone there, according to the story. And But I think all's well. I think he's home. I think he's yeah. improving. And uh, But uh, obviously, uh, a shout out to Tim. The second one is that I had a fascinating experience a couple of days ago. I was in Belize fly fishing the flats with my son, my 25-year-old son, Drew. And he, on a fly rod, hooked into a 150-pound tarpon. And an hour and 50 minutes later, we had that thing in the boat. I shouldn't say we. He's the one that got it. And uh, I, this thing's a beast. He fought like a, both of them. The fish and my son were both warriors. Uh, the fish was fighting for his life, but of course he didn't know we were going to release him. Of course, <laughs> she didn't know. Large tarpon, the big tarpon are all females, um, but it was really, really fun to be there and to watch experience. And I couldn't have been prouder of him. And I, I almost it was almost as cool as if I'd been the one that brought him in the boat. Almost as cool. So those are my final stitches. That's just incredible. I feel like it's another opportunity uh, to thank Tom White and Andrew Dobin. Kay and Everett Erickson and all the amazing people that have helped me along the way. You know, I think it is just incredible what they do every week for someone like me that I, you know, I still have challenging cases as I begin my career and, it, you know, they never stop. They never stop helping us. So 
Tom, it's a huge deal. And thank you so much for what you guys do. My message, I, I actually, I'm grateful to all the mentors and mentees that I had in um, my career and my training. And I'm uh, grateful to the um, everybody in the Stress Wall Injury Society and their support. Uh, I'm mostly grateful to my wife, Whitney, who in the last several months did an amazing job after the birth of our first child and supported me throughout my um, busy work schedule and, uh, and, and, and did, did all the heavy lifting and, um, and, and, and ra was raising a, a, an amazing daughter. That's fantastic. That is Awesome. Dr. Baumann joined us. Do you want to final stitch it? Uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry I missed it. Uh, emergent meeting for some unfortunate uh, situations here at the Med Center. But uh, yeah, my final stitch. Uh, I just want to say uh, thanks to everyone. I know uh, it's summer uh, in the United States. It's, uh, it's a busy trauma time. We just got done with the 4th of July uh, week, you know, here over the last uh, couple weeks. And it's just been massive numbers of patients coming in uh, with unfortunate injuries. I'm so grateful for all the uh, trauma, thoracic, and orthopedic surgeons out there and everything that you guys do. Um, just keep it up. It's awesome. Uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, having a great rest of the summer. So thank you all for everything that you do. That's an excellent final stitch. So you guys gave very personal ones. Mine is, is, um, is really very uh, frivolous in comparison, I would say. So I was working late Tuesday night set my computer, you know, sitting in bed, working, set my computer down next to me, closed the screen, woke up Wednesday morning, pulled my computer out to, to start doing something, blue screen of death, whole computer dead, would not turn on, just massive, massive failure. I was like, what? This was working when I closed it a couple hours ago, like full panic. And um, so it, it has been quite a week of restoration, but procuring this, this new laptop and you know, just, just restoring the whole CUS mainframe, you know, kind of on a dime on Wednesday morning to, to start the engines back up because we had, of course, Journal Club running Wednesday afternoon. It was just, it was kind of a stressful day. Um, and then I was leaving town Thursday afternoon and, and so it has just been this unbelievable couple of days, like unbelievable 48 hours of like reactivating life and recognizing how unbelievably reliant I am on this dumb, dumb little piece of machinery. And, um, you know, it's just amazing how, you know, completely reliant our whole world is. I mean, our whole CWIS world is on this little computer. So it has been a humbling week much as I want to pretend like I, you know, am not reliant on something so, so frail, I have had, you know, I've had kind of a week. I will say I've had kind of a week. I'm really glad that we're to Friday afternoon. Thanks everybody. Yep. Thank you. So fun to see you.